And we'll be in chapter 11, and from there we'll go to about the first three verses. And this morning, I'd like to talk to you about our theme for 2020, and that is back to the basics. If you haven't already figured that out by now, it's back to the basics. And uh, church has become ever increasingly more complex and difficult, and I don't believe it's the way that God designed it. I think man is making it that way. And uh, the Apostle Paul faced a similar situation at a time in his ministry, and we're going to see that, where he had to vindicate his apostleship, and he had to speak to the congregation uh, there at the, at the church, the Corinthian believers, about false teachers coming in and how that they had moved them away from the simplicity that's in Christ. And so this morning, we're going to see what the Scripture has to say about that. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Bryce, can you give me just a little bit more volume here? So I don't have, if you don't care, thank you. There we go. All right. So we'll be in verse 1, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 11, 1. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Father, we bow before you this morning and we ask you as we open the Word of God that you would speak to us. This message will mean nothing unless your Spirit applies it to our hearts. Unless you show up, Lord, it it means nothing. So I ask you right now that you would come and you would take over. That you would just implant this Word in our hearts. And it would change us. It would challenge us to return back to the basics. And Lord, to just be faithful. And to serve you and to love you and to adore you and to worship you. And to share you with others. Lord, we're asking you for revival. And we're asking you to do incredible things. Not so that we can boast, but that we can glory in You. That we can boast about You. That we can lift Your name high. That You would be glorified. Lord, if there's one in our service today that is not saved, I pray that You would speak to that one, that he or she would respond in a repentant faith, believing and trusting You for his or her eternal salvation. Father, we love You. We praise You in Jesus' name. And amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. As I said earlier, ministry has become more and more complex. Springing up all over the world are new age preachers who come in claiming new things. Books are being released on a a monthly basis in record volumes or record amounts claiming this new thing that's going to revolutionize your ministry. Such conferences are popping up all over the world where if you just come and be a part of their conference, they'll show you how you can have a successful church. There's even an organization in Florida, and there's a church in our area that went to it, and you can come and you go and you buy in, I think there's a $1,000 buy-in, and you buy in for $1,000 and they will tell you, they guarantee you within 10 years you can grow a church to 1,000 people. The problem with all this approach is, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, there is nothing new under the sun. 
Someone has a problem, the church thinks they have to go out and start a parachurch organization to, to reach the problem. But I remind you, God chose the church to be the agent in this day. He chose the church to be His body, His hands and His feet, to do His work. And as the problems in society uh, increase, we're trying, the church is trying to keep pace with the culture. And the interesting thing is, God never told us to do that. There's all these uh, seminars that you and I could go to on how to affect your culture and, and let culture change the church. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were falling prey to this. But let me remind you, God rewards us for faithfulness, not for results. God never asked us to go to a conference and pay with uh, getting a church of a thousand as our goal. Our goal is one disciple at a time. That's God's method. That's God's plan. And so people are wanting to have a sensational, uh, a moving experience. The only problem is that feeling only lasts as long as it's a moving experience. When it's over, there's a big letdown. Paul knows this. He sees it, and he sees that the false teachers are out there on the periphery, and they're creeping in, and they're beginning to try to pull the Corinthian believers away from the church. You see, the Corinthians had become bored with they thought was mundane. They had these winsome, charismatic men who came in who had this superior knowledge and began to woo them away, began to get them focused on these fresh ideas, these new things. And Paul, having noticed the drift, the drift had begun. He sees the believers progressing away from the true Christianity, from the true church to these charlatans who Satan, like, like Satan, like subtlety, comes in and began to corrupt them, began to deceive them, and move them away from the simplicity that's in Christ. Paul says in verse 3, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, as the serpent deceived Eve, through his subtlety. I mean, think about it. Who would take a piece of fruit from a talking snake? So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. The simplicity that is in Christ. Now watch this. Paul only gives two positions. One, the simplicity in Christ. And on the other is a deceived a deceived, corrupted mind. There's no middle ground. It's one or the other. How were their minds being corrupted? Well, they were moving them away from the simplicity that's in Christ. This word simplicity is a fascinating word. 
It's used five times in the Bible. Three times in the New Testament, two times in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, simplicity has the idea of a laser, singular focus of purpose. It's like that red uh, laser thing they got up there, pointer. Wherever you point it, it puts the point right there. And everybody looks at that white point. Or that red point, excuse me. That red point. Everyone sees that point. They focus on That's the singular focus. And that's what the word means. In other words, Paul says, there is one thing that makes Christianity right. There's one thing that, make, that makes it go. There's one foundation. There's one, one motive. There's one reward. And that is not a thing. It is a person. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet, we feel like we have to entertain the masses. Yet, we feel like that we have to have Batman to come to our church so that people will want to go to church. I was talking with Keith Matheny the other day, and when we, I was a teen uh, director at Abundant Life Baptist Church, my wife will tell you, we had 60 or 70 teenagers, and we had church on Sunday morning. We, in our Sunday school class, we had church. We took up an offering, we had a special singer, and I preached, and I preached hard. And the kids loved it. They responded to the invitation. And now we, we feel like that we have to take them to every carnival and everything that goes on, and we have to entertain them, and we have to make sure that all the games are going on. And I, I appreciate that, and, I'm, I'm not, and I'll just tell you right now, I'm not above bribery. I'll bribe them if it works, they come to Christ. But we feel like that we have to entertain them. And we've moved away from the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. I mean, when I come to work or come to church on Sunday mornings, I'm praying, okay, Lord, please don't let there be any bugs in the, in the internet. Please, Lord, don't let there, you know, all, all the songs are on there now. And, don't, you know, you've got to worry about all this stuff. And then, you know, what are we going to do if, if both of if all of our musicians are sick on the same day? How are we going to function? Guys, listen, and I'm not, I'm thank God for our musicians. And I'm not in any way advocating we do away with music or we do away with the screen or anything like that. I'm just telling you, it's becoming more and more and more about all this other stuff and less and less and less about Jesus Christ. Paul, as I said earlier, only gives two options. The simplicity in Christ or deceived, corrupted minds. There's no middle ground. There was a, a program by a, a famous preacher, and uh, it was How to Make Disciples. And I always look into those things and look, and I thought, I'll just click on it and see what it was. I clicked on it, and it was like $599 for a program. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Did Jesus have this in mind when he told us to make disciples? That you had to buy into a program, and you had to buy into this program? How about taking the Bible and start walking them through the Bible? Church has changed, and not all change is good. Not all change is, is what we need. So Paul tells us this, and then I started thinking about this. How do we get our laser focus back? How do we move from the doctrines of men? You see, the corrupt mind comes from the doctrines of men. There's a lot of people that hold theological positions that they could not get from the Bible, they have to get it from another man. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? God uses, God uses teachers and so on and so forth. But if you can't take your Bible and read the Bible and come up with that doctrine, then I wonder if it's a real doctrine or not. 
Some of these guys that get on there and want to argue over theology, they can only argue what other people said. They can't take the Word of God and defend their position for themselves. So how do we keep this laser focused? How do we get back to this simplicity and this in Christ and get away from these doctrines of men that are deceiving us, that are corrupting our minds? Simple. We go back to the basics. We go back to the basics. Any real good coach who coaches in the NFL, they'll tell you, if they go out and lay an egg and they go out and they don't do real well, real well and they perform poorly, they go back to practice and they go, let's go back to the basics. Let's get back to the basics. Let's go back to the fundamentals that got us where we are. Why is it do we believe? You ever think about this? We in church, God blesses our church. You know we started with 40 people here. And God has blessed our church and given us so much. And then we get to a certain point and we change what we're doing that He blessed because we feel like we have to keep up with culture. That does not make any sense to me. It's like these people that own this restaurant and it's famous and and it's great. And their kids come along. And they start messing with the recipe. And it moves it from what it was. And then, before long, the restaurant goes out of business. Why? Because it moved from the original recipe. Why do you think KFC keeps theirs locked in a vault? Leaven and herbs and spices. That's preaching right there, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I knew I'd get an amen from a Baptist. So how do we keep this laser focused? We go back to the basics. We go back to the basics. And I got five things quickly. Number one, if we're going to return to the simplicity in Christ, we've got to return, number one, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the throne, and He is Lord whether you recognize it or not. But until we as a church body recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about anything, it's about Him. It's about Him and Him alone. And He is on the throne rightfully where He needs to be, where He is preeminent, where He should be. We will not have simplicity. Guys, listen to me. I grew up in a church who was a very active church. Most of my memories as a child revolve around the church. And I remember that church had precedence, not because of the actual functioning of the church, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ. People were committed to Jesus Christ. There were men and women who sacrificed everything they had so, because they loved Jesus Christ. He was the Lord of their lives. He had precedence and everything else was secondary to that. And today we've dethroned God and we put ourselves and our own desires up on the throne. And everything now has to revolve around us and what we want and what we like and what we desire. He's not Lord. Oh, but He is. The Bible says that at the very name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our churches have strayed in that we think that we can go out and find out what the world wants. Lost sinners who cannot, who cannot, who cannot tell you anything spiritually, we go out and find out what they want and we bring it into the church. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life, yet we fell prey to it. If we just do this, if we just do this, these people will come. No, they came because of the salt and light. They came because we were different. They came because of the power of the Holy Spirit. They came because God is in the saving business. Not because we were clever. Not because we were cool and hip. 
I saw a meme the other day and I couldn't help but laugh. It said, years ago we used to make fun of Pee Wee Herman. Now some of you are preaching in his suits. You had to see it to believe. And I was like, amen. Have you ever seen Pee Wee Herman's suit? I'm just saying. We've got to return to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We've got to get back to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Guys, listen. I'm reading. How many of you are reading in Exodus? We're read in Exodus. We, in our Bible reading, we're right in Exodus. And in, in chapter 1, it always amazes me. You know the story. God sent them down, the children of Israel. He sent them down in Egypt because there was a famine. Joseph was there. He reunited his, his uh, dad and his brothers and all such as that. And God preserved them and they multiplied and they grew. And then the Bible says, And there arose a king that knew not Joseph. Just a generation away that knew not Joseph and knew not the children of Israel. We're a generation away from becoming a complete godless nation. A complete godless nation. And I'm telling you this, the hope, the hope of the church, the hope of our country, the hope of all mankind is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Where He is Lord. He is exalted. Number two, return to a love of God's Word. We return to a love of God's Word. We're, we're reading, and we're challenging you to read, and I hope you're keeping up with your reading. And if you fall behind, don't quit. Rest if you have to, but don't quit. Why? Because it's extremely important. It's God's love letter to you. It, it encompasses everything that God would want you to have and know. No doctrine is formulated from anything other than the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's like honey to the lips, the Bible says. We've got to get back to understanding and loving the Word of God more than we love Facebook, more than we love... Uh, used to read the TV guy. Nobody reads the TV guy anymore. It's all, it's all on the screen, the Instagrams and all that stuff that wastes all of our time. And we sit there and, and, and horrible. How many times have you sat at a red light behind somebody and their lights change and they're on their phone and you can't go and you're honking and you're trying to keep your, your religion intact? Can I say amen there? We become a slave to these things. And all the while, God's Word is getting further and further and further away from us. Listen, we'll never, we'll never return to the simplicity in Christ unless we have God's Word in our heart. That's why we believe in Awana. We've tried every program. And there's one program, Awana, that teaches kids to hide God's Word in their heart. That I might not sin against God. I know it's Wednesday. I know you've worked hard. I know you're tired. I know that you've gone through all kinds of stuff during the day. But let me tell you something. Getting those kids to hide God's Word in their heart is worth it. Because we can never return to the simplicity of Christ without the Word of God. Man, we, have, we live in a time where Bibles are inexpensive. Now, there are some real expensive ones, and I see, and the flesh is like, man, that, you could really preach with that one. Isn't it funny how the flesh tries to justify things? Man, you could really preach with that Bible. It says the same thing. I like to go in the dollar store and ask the women, how much is this? You know, and everything's a dollar, you know, everything's a dollar. And you ask them, how much is this? You can get a paperback Bible down there for a one dollar. Isn't it amazing? The eternal Word of God that has stood the test of time. One dollar. You can get it. We have to return 
to the love of God's Word. Do you love the Word of God? If you fall in love with it, it won't be so difficult, difficult to read. It won't be so difficult to study. It won't be so difficult to carry it. One of the things when we prayed about whether or not we would put the Scriptures on the screen was there was a concern that we would stop carrying our Bibles to church. And that's a legitimate concern. But you know what? That right there is as much of the Scripture on the screen as it is in leather binding. It's the Scripture. And whether it's written that on a paper bag, it's still God's Word. And we got to love it. That's why we have Sunday school. We want you to devour it. We want you to eat it up. We want you to be, we want you to have it in you. Because if it's in you, it's going to come out of you. And we can never return to the simplicity that's in Christ without a love for His Word. Number three, we can never return to the simplicity in Christ unless we return to the surrender to God's Holy Spirit. We are commanded in Scripture to walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires or the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. We've got to be filled with the Spirit. We've got to be led by the Spirit. And we can never return to the simplicity that's in Christ until we surrender to the Holy Spirit. How many times have we been somewhere and God laid something on our heart and we didn't do it and afterwards we realized it was Him laying it on our heart and we, man, I blew it. Anybody with me? I've done that. Wouldn't it be great if we just learned to listen? Now, do you think the devil's going to tell you to witness to somebody? No. We make this much more difficult than it is. And listen, another thing I will tell you this. If God's Word says it, you don't have to wait until you're convicted by the Holy Spirit to do it. He's already said it in His Word. You just do it. Men, you understand that. You tell your kid to do it. You want them to do it, right? Not argue with it. You want them to do it. If the God's Word says it, you just do it. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and He will guide you and He will direct you. That's what He said when the Comforter comes. He will guide you in all truth. All truth. Someone said, I just can't control what I say. That's a lie from the devil. You don't want to control it and you want to blame God and everybody else for saying it. Because it gratifies your flesh. There's a woman who said that on Dr. Phil one time. She said, I just can't control it. He said, I guarantee you can control your mouth. I lock you in a room full of hell's angels. You control your tongue. I don't always watch Dr. Phil, but that was a good one. I'm just saying. The Holy Spirit. It's like in a Baptist church. We're afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is as much as God as Jesus is? And Jesus said, I'm going away. If I don't go away, I can't send you the Comforter. Paracletos, another of the same kind. He is God. He's going to come and be with you. But He will not only be with you, He shall be in you. Hallelujah. you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. What you look at, He looks at. Where you go, He goes. Think about that for a moment. Return to the surrender of God's Holy Spirit. If God leads us, let's do it. If God leads us, let's do it. Why? Because He's in charge. We're submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Number four, we need to return to a sincere worship of Jesus Christ. Oh, i got a lot to say on this. We cannot fall into the trap of thinking my way is the only way to worship Jesus. 
I'll tell you, honestly, I've heard some very corny songs that have spoken to people, and I thought, that's the corniest thing in the world. That ought to be on the Wiggles or something. And they're singing it in church. And is Wiggles or Giggles? What? Wiggles, okay. I, thought, I hope I said that right. But you know what? If you're focused on... If you're focused on the style of music, you're missing the whole point of worship. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I struggle with that. Sometimes I like bluegrass. I never used to like bluegrass. Sometimes I like bluegrass. Sometimes I'm, I like other things. You know, we all have different likes. But it's not about what I like or dislike. It's about what glorifies and pleases Jesus Christ. There's a man that used to get up here and sing. He's no longer in our church. Some of you know him, and I'm not, I'm not at all speaking unkindly about him, but he couldn't sing lick. And uh, he would get up here, and his clothes would be dirty, his hair all messed up, off tune, all over the place, messed the words up. But you know what? He meant it. And when he sang victory in Jesus, he meant it from his heart. And let me tell you something. He probably was worshiping more than half of the people that could sing with golden voices. we got to get back. Listen, get enough of the smoke machines. Man, I was watching something on uh, Christian television the other day, and the lights were going like this, and the smoke, and I was thinking, my goodness, I'm, con- I'm getting a little dizzy, and I was watching it on TV. A smoke machine in church. I'm just way out of touch. I'm serious. I don't, I, I'm assuming if we have smoke in our church that somebody's getting sprayed with a fire extinguisher. But we think that stuff's cool. I had a family member that had a pastor and he was a hipster. I didn't even know what a hipster is. And we think this is all worship. And this worship group comes out with an album and they're going to revolutionize the world reminds me of the man who went to the theater an older pastor and there was a a fellow who was into dramatic reading and he stood up and he quoted the 23rd Psalm and he was so eloquent in his words and the way he paused and the way he inflicted, inflected certain things and the way he, he moved around. People gave him an applause. One little old-fashioned, little old decrepit preacher stood up with tears in his eyes. He began to quote the 23rd Psalm with a quivering broken voice. And when he was finished, the place erupted and gave a standing ovation. And afterwards, the man in the theater said, I don't understand. I gave the most moving, dramatic performance, and I got an, I got an applause. You get up and stammer and go through it, and you, you, get, you, got a, you got a standing ovation. What's the difference? He said, young man, you know the 23rd Psalm. He said, I know the shepherd. And it makes all the difference, guys. When we worship, man, whether we sing How Great Thou Art or whether we sing a contemporary song, it doesn't matter. we got to be in our hearts in tune with Jesus. If we're going to return to the simplicity of Christ, the whole reason for singing is not to fill space. 
It's to prepare our hearts for the message. It's to worship the Lord. We were created to worship. All through heaven, we're going to worship. All throughout eternity, we're going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't we do it now? Return to sincere worship. And number five, I'm going to finish on this one. Return to the consecrated service of Jesus Christ. Now these words are chosen carefully. Consecrated means set apart. Set apart. Now I'm just going to, I'm going to say this. And I'm not thinking of any one person, but if you throw a rock in a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one you hit. And that's the one that's guilty. So listen, on the way out, don't say you've been talking to my husband or you've been talking to my wife. No, I'm not. I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm going to tell you... We've gotten to a place where everything in society takes precedence over our service in the church. I will serve God if it's convenient. If it fits in my convenience plan, I will serve God. Growing up, I never paid attention to this. And when I became on staff at the other church, the pastor, my pastor taught me this. He said, son, I'm going to tell you right now. If people won't work for free... They won't work for money. Or if they won't work for free, they won't work for money. And I've never forgotten that. He said, if they won't work for free, they won't work for money. And let me tell you something, guys. I'm telling you this right now because I love you. Some of you are missing on the joy of serving Jesus Christ. I mean a consecrated, setting apart service for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm talking about getting back to the old-fashioned days where on Sunday, Saturday evening, we start laying out our clothes. And we start preparing our heart because we know that Sunday morning the devil is going to mess us up. He's going to come in and he's going to try everything in his power to keep us from going to church. Do you think it's any, any coincidence that everything happens on a Sunday evening when you are trying to get in to teach your Sunday school class? You ever thought about that? Everything goes wrong. The wheels fall off of it. You know why? Because the devil doesn't want you to consecrate yourself to God, set yourself apart for his service. And I'll be honest with you, God's been awful good to us, hasn't he? He sure has. We throw away more food than two-thirds population of the world has. And God's richly blessed us, and the problem is we got so many blessings, we don't have time because we're taking care of our blessings, we don't have time to serve him. And we can never return to the simplicity that's in Christ if we don't return to a consecrated service. Do you know your neighbors watch you? You claim to be a Christian and they watch you when you leave and go to church and when you don't. They watch you how you serve. I remember I met someone who does go to this church. He was another Christian I knew and I met someone that worked at the same place as he and I said, oh, so-and-so is a Christian. He goes there. He said, he goes to church? Consecrated service. Everyone, I've preached on it, everybody has a spiritual gift. And you can't stand before God and say, God, I didn't know what to do, so I didn't do anything. You start moving. Start moving in a direction of something you like to do and do it for the glory of God. How many of you remember cars that didn't have power steering? What's the best way to turn it? Get the wheels moving, isn't that right? You get the wheels moving and God will turn you. God will turn you. Return to consecrated service. If we say He's Lord of our lives and we're, we're hungering for the Word of God and we're surrendering to the Holy Spirit and we're sincerely worshiping, the only natural outflow that will happen is we will consecrate, we will serve Him in a consecrating way. A way that's set apart. I'm not going to give my Wednesdays away. I'm going to protect them. They belong to God. 
I've committed to Him. I'm on His calendar. I'm on His clock. He means everything to me. I'm going to do it. And frankly, people come to me, Pastor, I'm getting burned out. You're not getting burned out on the Lord. You're getting burned out on everything else and you're taking it out on the Lord. Now I said it. It's the truth. How do you get burned out? Serving once every three months. Hello? we got to get back to the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. Quit following all these strange doctrines of man. Quit running around trying to find the next greatest thing. Just stand where you are and be faithful to God. Return to the Lordship of Christ. Return to the love of God's Word. Return to surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Return to sincere worship of Jesus Christ. And return to consecrated service. I'm going to ask you this morning, aren't you tired of playing church? Isn't it difficult? Isn't it horrible how complex it's become? I mean, I, it's not that hard. All these things that I'm telling you is what the early church did. If you go through the book of Acts, you will see this theme repeated over and over and over. This is what they did. They were so in love with Jesus. He was Lord of their lives. They were meeting multiple times a week in every house and in the temple every day. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus. They were having church every day. All through the book of Acts you can see it. They came to a place where, and I'm not asking you to do this, I'm just telling you this is how they were consecrated to service. They said, listen, we, we're going to take this money, we're going, to, we're going to sell everything we got, we're going to bring it to you all, and they divided it up amongst them. They got that all out of the way and they started serving the Lord. There was a revival. You go through Acts, you see 3,000 saved here, 5,000 saved here, and the Lord added to the church such as He should daily. People were being saved all over the place. Why? Because it was the simplicity that was in Christ. Then some philosopher comes along and he comes in to tell everybody, well, that's not what that really means and this is what we need to do and we need to focus on this. And then we're all... Being out of shape, we're all divided and going in all these different directions. Let's come back to Jesus. Let's just do what it's always been. Let's commit. And I promise you this, tomorrow you get up in the morning, you commit to reading the Word tomorrow, you get up in the morning, it's going to be a struggle. And the struggle is, are you going to do it or are you going to quit? Are you going to do it or are you going to cave in? You can listen to it. You don't even have to read it. You can listen to it. I was passing, I was driving down the road the other day and a woman came flying by and I looked as she went by and I was in the fast lane. And she went flying by and she's putting mascara on driving 100 mile an hour. Now if they can do that, surely you can listen to it, the Bible reading on your phone while you're driving and do your makeup. I... Might put some angels on your car there too. But listen to me. Let's return to the simplicity that's in Jesus Christ. Would you? Would you consider it this morning? Would you consider saying, listen, I'm all in, man. This is your back to the basics for me. I'm going to commit right now to God. I'm going to commit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. He's my Lord. I'm going to submit to Him. And I am going to, I'm going to get in the Word of God. And I'm going to surrender my life to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tells me, I'm going to do it, whatever it is. 
And I'm going to worship Him when I have the chance. I'm going to sing. Even though I can't sing, I'm going to sing. I'm up here and I've got the words on the screen and I still get them messed up. But I'm still going to sing. And I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness. I'm going to serve Him. Could you imagine what 2020 could be if we just got back to the basics? If we just got back to doing these, could you imagine the transformation that would take place in our lives? Would you come along with me? Would you come along with me? Would you stand, please? We're going to bow our heads for prayer.